We have a tree in our front yard that I consider to be a terrible tree. (laughs) We've owned our home for less than two years, and I already know that I do not like this tree. There are so many annoying features about it. I know, I know, I really should be thankful. After all, this tree provides clean oxygen for our environment. It provides shade in our yard during the summertime, if summer ever decides to come. (laughs) The the partial shade also provides great growing uh, temperature and conditions for grass or for flowers. It provides a great place for birds to nest, and, and my young son loves watching birds, so that's great. It's also a healthy tree, and it's sturdy, and, and so it poses no safety issues for our home. And don't get me wrong, I am thankful for all these things about the tree. But let me just tell you why I don't care for it very much. In the spring, when the tree finally buds and, and forms new leaves, for a short time, it flowers. Okay? And now you might think, well, that's nice. I, I love flowering trees, and I do too, when the flowers actually look pretty. <laughs> I love the crab apple trees around town that start blooming and with a bright pink and white. It's beautiful. Our tree doesn't do that. It's got boring flowers, and that wouldn't be a big deal, except that the flowers produce uh, tons of pollen, which, of course, irritates hay fever, which I have a little bit of. And the pollen from it attracts all these bees, which they're great bees. I love bees, but not my yard. <laughs> Finally, the flowers die, and they then they drop a thick coat of dead petals everywhere in our yard. Really annoying to clean up. After that, it's not done. All summer long, it drops these little balls of seeds all over the lawn, nonstop. This, this tree also produces incessant suckers. You know what suckers are? At the base of trees, they're little saplings that come up and try to take health away from the actual tree, and in order to control them, they have to be pruned incessantly, all the time. They grow up from the roots and the trunk. And if you don't trim them, it becomes a big jungle underneath the tree. Finally, autumn comes, when all the gorgeous colors come out all across the region. But does our tree join in the festivities? Of course not. (laughs) The leaves do turn, but they turn a dull yellow and brown. And then they fall off, but they don't even fall off in good time. They wait until mid-November to fall down. Well, all of a sudden, when it's a lot colder and wetter and often snowy out and a lot more annoying to rake up. Now, that entire rant should have a first world problems hashtag after it. (laughs) Because I know that I'm complaining about trivial things which really aren't important. But I was curious this week as I thought about our tree, and I got curious about what type of tree it actually was. So I went on Google, and I searched for its defining features, its leaves and bark, its flowers and seeds. Eventually, I figured out that it's an American linden or basswood tree. don't know if any of you have one of those. But now I know. Now I can put a name on the face of my animosity. (laughs) Well, today as we go to God's Word, Jesus is actually going to identify all of us as trees. But he's not going to need to go to Google to do that and figure out our features. He's just going to do it by looking at us. 
and by us looking at ourselves. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking metaphorically, but you'll understand soon what I mean. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we'll be starting in verse 43. If you don't have a Bible, you can take the Pew Bible from in front of you, and it's on page 863. Page 863. Been going through the Gospel of Luke together as a church family lately, studying the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Today is going to bring us to a few short words of Jesus' in the middle of chapter 6 which are packed full of meaningful wisdom and insight for us. Just as we begin, as you turn to Luke 6, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today, I pray that your spirit would be moving in our hearts, that we would see in this passage who we are, and then see who you are and how gracious you are to us. And we thank you for your word. We pray that uh, it would form us and guide us and teach us this morning as we look into its pages. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were with us last week, you know that we are in the middle of one of Jesus' sermons, known as the Sermon on the Plain. And in this sermon, Jesus taught his disciples what it meant to live as part of God's kingdom. So how God blesses those who realize their need for him instead of those who are self-reliant and how the kingdom is oriented around that. It's a kingdom of reversal. He talked about how we're called to love our enemies because God first loved us. And really, how we're to treat everyone as God treated us, with mercy. With mercy instead of hypocritical judgmentalism and condemnation. And this is where we ended last week, as we read this. In, in chapter 6, verses 41 and 42, Jesus said, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Today we come to verse 43, and it says, For no good... Now, stop right there. That first word, for, is a hint that this is a continuation of thoughts from last week. Okay, So we have to review. What was, what was it that Jesus was saying last week? If you remember, it, the main application from last week, it was not to be hypocrites as followers of Christ. By repenting of our own sins long before we start looking at other people's issues. And we saw that for us as Jesus' disciples, there is a great need for self-examination. Instead of others' examination, we're supposed to examine ourselves. And that thread of self-examination is what continues into verse 43. So examine yourselves carefully for or because, verse 43, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Do you recognize that verse, that, that picture of Jesus? It's pretty common. The, the point that Jesus wants to get across here comes across in the next verse. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 44, For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Now, if you can't tell, the metaphor of trees here refers to people. Okay, Trees are people. 
in these verses. To extend the metaphor into our own lives, you are a tree. Okay? I am a tree. Now, we talked a lot of recently about our identities. When we were over the Easter season, we talked about who we are and our identities. And now these verses talk a lot about our identities as well. Who we know ourselves to be. Or, but deeper than that, who we are, whether we know it or not. Our identity, our integrity, our morality, our character, whether good or evil. Who are we, really, in the sight of God? And here's Jesus' first major point regarding our character in these verses. That says that our true character can be known by what we do and say. Okay, that's the first major point. Our true character can be known by what we do and say. We need to examine what we do and say because whatever is inside of us will come out. Our true character can be known by what we do and say. Now this point can seem pretty simple, but it's also fairly profound once you start thinking about it. Just as a tree can be known by its fruit, Jesus says that people can be known by their fruit. Now, fruit refers to anything that comes out of our lives. So like a tree's fruit may refer to actual fruit, or flowers, or seeds, or leaves, anything that it produces. People's fruit refers to anything that we produce. So our words and our actions of all kinds. It's said in verse 44, for each tree is known by its fruit. Do you ever have a fruit tree in your yard? Or maybe in a relative's yard or a neighbor's yard? Maybe someone you knew owned an orchard, many fruit trees, or a vineyard? I don't remember having a fruit tree in my yard, but I do remember back, way back in the day when my parents had some grapevines. And they grew some grapevines. Now, they weren't technically trees, but they did produce fruit. Now, I want you to imagine if one day my mom sent me out to pick some grapes off the grapevines. And I go out there and I, and I check the vines and I come rushing back in the house and say, Mom, Mom, you're not going to believe what I just saw. Okay? I, I went to our vines to look for grapes and I, I didn't find any grapes. But what I did find, our vines, get this, our vines are growing apples. That's absurd, right? That just doesn't happen in nature. That's the way that nature doesn't work that way. Jesus agrees. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For fig trees are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Now, most of the types of plants Jesus mentions aren't actually trees. That's okay. He might as well have said, for each plant is known by its own fruit. The point is this, okay? That plants only produce fruit according to what kind of plant they are. Apples don't grow on grapevines. Apples grow on apple trees and grapes grow on grapevines. But Jesus' point is wider than that as well. Jesus' metaphor also includes a morally positive or negative aspect to it. Did you see that? Not only do Trees produce fruit according to their kinds. They also produce fruit according to their integrity or their character, their health, vitality, quality, or their value. That's what he's trying to get across when he says that good trees bear good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. There's a good kind of tree and a bad kind of tree. 
It says, great, now grapevines and fig trees in Jesus' day were seen as especially good and beneficial types of plants in Palestine. They were good and profitable and produced enjoyable fruit. So everyone saw these as good plants. Thorn bushes and bramble bushes were the opposite, of course. No one likes those types of plants. Not even today. All they produce is extra work and extra pain. Thorns and brambles. Now Jesus was saying that good fruit only comes from good trees. So grapes and figs only come from good fig trees and grapevines. You don't look on the thorn bushes for the grapes. And bad fruit, like thorns and brambles, only grow on bad types of plants. So again, here's this point. How do you identify what kind of plant it is? By looking at its fruit. In the same way, how do you identify what kind of a person a person is? And Jesus says, look at their fruit. That'll tell you. How do you identify people? Look at their fruit. Now this is how we're supposed to be able to know who are good people and who aren't good people. Now, I have to remind you something about very importance. Remember that these verses are in the immediate context of self-examination. When we, re- we might read these verses and instantly start thinking of people that we know that are bad trees. <laughs> right? That's our first tendency. Start looking outward. Oh, they're a bad tree. Look at their fruit. <laughs> but Jesus never intended us to use this to judge other people and their faith. Jesus intended us to use these words to judge ourselves, our own faith, individually. So, as you hear these words, don't start thinking, who are the good and bad trees around me? Am I sitting next to one today? No, no. Ask yourself, am I a good tree? Am I a bad tree? What kind of fruit do I produce in my life? In the movie Forrest Gump from the mid-90s, the title character Forrest was often called stupid by his peers and people around him. But his mother taught him a phrase which he repeated often in his life that you'll probably all recognize. Remember what it was? He said, stupid is as stupid does. Now, his mom, of course, wanted him to know that he was only stupid if he acted stupidly, if he did stupid things. But if he didn't do stupid things, that it didn't matter what people said, he wasn't stupid. That was the point of that. Jesus wasn't calling anyone stupid here, but what he was saying is similar. He was saying that good is as good does, or evil is as evil does. So, do you want to know if you're good? Well, do you do good in your life? Do you want to know if you're evil? You do evil. What we do, of course, consists of immeasurable possibilities. Where we go, what we eat or drink, what we touch, how we treat others, how we help others or hurt others, what we give or take, what we read, what we watch. Every action that we take, of course, is what we do. It's a very general principle that's true that what we do determines whether we are good or evil. In verse 45, Jesus gets more specific. 
and hones in on one type of action. It says this, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's interesting. Where'd the mouth come from? (laughs) Jesus hasn't mentioned that yet. This could be surprising, because he doesn't even mention our mouths much in the verses that lead up to this at all. We don't often think of our words as actions, but they are. And Jesus says here that our speech is one of the most obvious forms of fruit to see. Okay, so if you're looking for fruit, first thing, look at your words. Verse 45, again, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So you want to know if you have good or bad fruit? One of the best indicators is what you say and how you say it. Some people will claim it's not what you say, but what you do that counts in life. That's what matters. But that's not what Jesus would say here. He'd say that both matter deeply. He'd say it's not it's what you do and what you say that counts. To use a, a practical example, mouths are basically like the sound system of our hearts. Okay? If you don't know how to, a sound system works, I could turn my microphone off here, and you would probably be able to hear me a little bit. You wouldn't be able to hear me very well. But when I have this microphone on, and it's broadcasting and plugged into the system at the back, this broadcasts my voice across the whole room. Now what that means is that basically, the same goes for us with our hearts and our words. It can be difficult to tell what we're really like on the inside. It can be difficult to identify what our fruit is. But then we start speaking. And it all becomes loud and clear. It shows what's on the inside. Now I'm going to ask you a hopefully no-brainer question. Do you want to be a good person? Do you want to be a good person? I sure hope most of you would say, absolutely! I want to be a good person. I want to be a good moral human being. I want to be a good citizen, a good neighbor, a good family member, a good friend. Now, a small amount of you may not have that desire to be good anymore, but I'd bet anything that you used to, that you at one time had that desire to be good before we get corrupted or burned or disillusioned. Because the the desire to be good is hardwired into us by our consciences and our cultural upbringings as well. We just, we want to be good. Now, here's a second question. might be a bit harder. Are you a good person? Many people in our world would answer this the same way as the first question. Affirmatively. Absolutely I am. I am unquestionably a good, moral, responsible person. I don't break any laws. I I help people out when I can. I have good friends. People consider me a good person. Others might answer a bit more carefully. They'd say, well, I try to be good, but 
I often mess up. I don't, I don't think I'm quite that good. I think I'm generally good, maybe with just a bit of bad mixed in. Still others would be brutally honest about themselves. They just say, no, am I a good person? No, I'm not good. Not good at all. I wish I was, but I'm not. I see how messed up I am all the time. Here's a question. Which one of those three perspectives is the most accurate according to the Bible? To what God says. It's actually the third one. We're blind to that. We close our eyes to it. We don't see what God sees. On our own, we're all desperately evil. We're bad. Psalm 14, this is repeated a couple times in Scripture. Psalm 14, 2 and 3 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So Jesus says here, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. And so, so we examine ourselves to see if we are good or bad. And if we're honest with what we know about ourselves and with what God's Word says, we inevitably come to a dark conclusion that we're not good people. That we're bad trees. And why this is, because when we look at our lives and look at our fruit, what we do and what we say, we've produced a lot of bad fruit. That's why. If we've got to see the countless wrong things we've done and said in our lives. We've sinned against other people, we've sinned against ourselves, and worst of all, we've sinned against God. If you don't believe me, let's consider really short what Jesus says is wrong in this sermon alone from Luke chapter 6. Okay? Question, have you bought into our culture's ideals to be driven or obsessed with money, food, entertainment, or getting people to like you? We often have. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, or who are merely entertained, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Have you ever hated anyone in your life? Even an enemy? Disliked them strongly? Maybe is the more polite way to put it. Verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. 
Have you followed the golden rule perfectly throughout your life? As 31 says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Have you done that? Every day of your life? Have you shown mercy to everyone who ever did anything wrong to you? Verse 36 says, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Or how about what we studied last Sunday? Have you ever had a judgmental thought about someone else? Have you ever refused to forgive someone or held on to a grudge before? Have you ever been selfish at all about your stuff, hoarded anything? Have you ever been a hypocrite before? And Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Verse 41, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? And then we come to what we read today, and just in case we were wondering, Jesus says in verse 45, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. What have we said? You ever lied? You ever slandered anyone? You ever has angry words or biting or hurtful words to others? You ever gossiped? You ever took the Lord's name in vain? Cursed, swore, broken promises? Yikes! All of that in 21 short verses. God's standard for goodness is perfection. He doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't consider us good just because other people are worse. And we all selfishly seek things for ourselves all the time instead of seeking God, which is the worst sin of all, because it's idolatry, putting other things above Him. If we're honest, we have to admit, we are all bad trees. And our character is so corrupted. Whenever we do something wrong, we often come up with excuses. We're quick to make excuses. And we say something like, well, what I, what I did was out of character for me. That wasn't me. Or, and that's not something that I usually do. I'm better than that. But we need to understand that everything we do and say is always in character for us. Get that? Everything that we do and say is always us. It's in character. That's what Jesus would say, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. What we say and do reflects who we really are. That's why Jesus says in verse 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of, the evil tre- of his evil treasure, again in his heart, produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth Speaks. Jesus focuses on our hearts here because that is where the root of all our issues lay. 
By heart, Jesus isn't referring to our blood-pumping organ in our chests. He's referring to the center of a person's being, the real you as you really are. Talking about this verse, Paul Tripp says that word problems reveal heart problems. The people in situations around us do not make us say what we say. They are only the occasion for our hearts to reveal themselves in words. Philip Ryken says that there is a living, organic connection between the people we are on the inside and the lives that we lead out in the world. Whatever fruit we produce, whether good or evil, is rooted in the true condition of our souls. We can only produce the kind of spiritual fruit that it is our nature to produce. The reason we say the things we say and do the things we do is that we are the people we are. goes on to recommend that Instead of making excuses or blaming someone else, what we ought to say is, you know, that really is what I'm like. That is who I am. I'm just embarrassed because usually I'm better at hiding it. Or maybe another one is, it's not you. It is me. I said you made me do this or made me say this, but really I did it because... It's my heart. It's showing. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus says in verse 45 as well that the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure. He says the treasure of our heart is makes us do what we do. Sometimes treasure refers to what we value most dearly. It's like we treasure our families or our homes or our money. Sometimes treasure may refer to something we're supposed to look for, seek out, like hidden treasure. But what Jesus is referring to here by treasure is more like what we already possess or own. Okay, So what is stored up or saved in our life. So like a farmer, their treasure is stored up in a barn full of their crops. A rich person today, their treasure is stored up in a vault or a safe. What they want to keep safe. What we store up our monetary treasure mostly in bank accounts today. I think the picture of a bank account is a good parallel for what Jesus is saying here. I cannot go to a bank and ask to withdraw something that is not there, that wasn't put in. I can only withdraw money, and I can only withdraw money if there's already money in the bank for me to take. In the same way, we can only withdraw from our hearts what is already there. And what's already there, unfortunately, is boundless wickedness. According to the Bible, we're all sinners. But then the news gets even worse. You can believe it. The penalty for our blatant disregard of God is death. Eternal death. Physical death, spiritual death, they're all tied into the result of our sin. So, what hope is there for us? Is there hope? Is there anything that we can do about this? Can we ever be good again? Thankfully, yes. 
there is hope and that we can become good again. But I should say also, we can't do it on our own. There's nothing we can do on our own. Because no matter what we do, we will never be good enough to outweigh our bad. But thankfully, there is hope for change. And while the change has to come from the inside, it doesn't come from us. If Jesus' first point in this little passage in Luke is that whatever is in us comes out of us, his second point is that whatever is in us actually forms us and changes us. That our true character is formed by what is inside of us. So how do we change who we are? Only by changing the inside, our hearts first. Our true character is formed by what's inside of us. If you see yourself for who you are today, as a sinner in the sight of God, but you want to be good, let me be clear. I promise you that behavior modification will not work. You can't just modify your behavior enough to be good. Because just addressing our behavior only addresses the outside of us. And if there's anything that this passage is clear about, it's that our issues are heart issues. Our issues are heart issues. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We need heart transformation. In fact, I believe we need an entirely new heart. Because if we want to be good, then we've got to be good on the inside first. Heart transformation, though, is supernatural. We can't accomplish it on our own. Thankfully, where we could never succeed, Jesus did. Where we could never succeed, Jesus did. Jesus is the only person who came down to earth and ever lived a perfect life. His life was the only truly good tree ever, and he only produced good fruit. But even though he was perfect, when his ministry on earth was done, he offered himself as a sacrifice to pay our death penalty. He suffered and died on what is symbolically called a tree in order to free us. And God accepted Jesus' sacrifice as a just punishment for sin. And so God raised Jesus from the dead to show his approval and his power and the life that we can have, the new life. Now this is key. Once Jesus died on the cross, God said that if we repent and believe, that he would see us as good. we repent and believe, God would see us as good again because Jesus was good. In other words, when we believe, we receive Jesus' goodness and righteousness. And God chooses to see us as if we are perfectly good, like Jesus was. Don't you see why this is such good news? We can't be good on our own. But we can because of Jesus. I implore you, if you have never believed in Jesus as your Savior before, come to Him today. 
Only through him can we be changed from what he'd call here from a bad tree into a good tree. If you want to take this step, we'd love to help you or talk with you or pray with you. So after the service, I'd invite you to come up here to the front. There will be people here waiting that would love to talk to you or pray with you. But if you're trying to be a good person on your own, it will never work. But if we let Jesus take our hearts and start changing us, he will never fail. He will always succeed. See, God not only promises to forgive us and to see us as good, he actually promises in Scripture to begin a process of making us good. Through the Holy Spirit, he who is inside of us, God is transforming us to actually become like Jesus, sanctifying us. Listen to this beautiful promise that God gave us from Ezekiel chapter 36. God promised people who came to him, he said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's beautiful. When we come to Christ, it is saying that God actually changes us on the inside. He changes our inner nature. He gives us a new heart that we so desperately need. And when that a new heart comes in us. With a new Holy Spirit, we start changing from the inside out. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For us who have believed... In this passage, Jesus isn't telling us that we have to work to be good trees. It's not what he's saying. On this side of salvation, he'd be telling us to be good trees. Because we are good trees once again. That he already sees us as good and has begun transforming us to be good. We might wonder, well, how do we put good treasure into our hearts? Jesus says that good treasure will produce the good. How do, if what is inside of us forms our character, how do we get that good stuff in? Some people might tell you to make sure that you're feeding yourself good stuff, like feed your heart with Bible reading and prayer and going to church. And if you put good stuff in, then you'll get good stuff out. Likewise, don't put evil in or you'll get evil out. The, the old adage, garbage in, garbage out. But I'm not going to tell you that today. I tell you that if you've believed, God has already placed good inside of you. That he has already given you the good Holy Spirit who is actually living inside of you. You get that? God lives inside of you. It's only through reliance on Him that our hearts will change. 
And if we prayerfully and carefully walk with the Spirit, our hearts will change. Listen to what God's Word says about the fruit of our lives. Very familiar passage to you from Galatians 5. It says, Now the works of the flesh, so who we are on ourselves, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's what comes out of us. That's what we produce when we're bad trees. But, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we come to Christ and, and He puts the Spirit inside of us, those are the fruits that begin to come out. Those are the fruits that begin to be produced by our lives. It's beautiful to see. So as we wrap up, I just say, look inside yourself today. Examine the fruit of your life. Is your tree still growing evil fruit? Or is it producing godly fruit now? Is, is it growing these fruits of wickedness that we just read? Or is it growing the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, and so on. If God has changed your heart to be a good tree, thank Him for His transforming grace. The Spirit living inside of us is really a remarkable thing. And if your heart has not been transformed yet, don't just leave here and try to do better. Don't just try to be better. Run to Jesus. Run to Him and ask Him to make you into a new tree, to give you a new heart. And He will. When we do this, our trees will flourish, they'll blossom, they'll bear good fruit in abundance to the praise and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. That in spite of our evil and our wickedness, that you would look on us and give us mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. That you would free us from who we are and that you would actually transform us to make us new. We thank you, God. We praise you this morning. And once again, we praise you for all the new hearts that you are forming in this room. You are so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.